Fake Spike Podcast, episode 10 of the Little Wee Podcast. We got a Monday night game this week. We can probably do game thoughts uh, Sunday night. What's going on, Vort? Not much, not much. A couple of topics I want to discuss. And obviously, like you said, also uh, would love to leave the prediction podcast for a little bit later in the week. But there are a couple of topics that I want to touch on. Yeah. You want to get us started? There's two specific ones on my mind. Uh, I'm sure they're on your list as well. Number one, I want to discuss Sam Darnold's health. And uh, if you were Sam Darnold or if you were in his circle, do you advise him to sit out and get healthy or do you play through it? And the other one is Joe Douglas. Thoughts on him as far as uh, his is a lukewarm endorsement almost of Adam Gase and how you feel on that. Let's do Douglas first since he did mention Sam and we can tie Sam into that. Two things about Douglas. One is Gase is part of the solution and Darnold's part of the future. Now, I am totally okay with Darnold being part of the future if that's the way they go. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I didn't think they would go that way. And I think this is probably just diplomatic coach speak not to, you know, wreck team chemistry and and kill Darnold and damage his confidence because they're going to, you know, if they do trade him, they're going to want to get something for him. They don't want to damage the guy and then say, hey, give us a seventh round pick. But um, the Gase thing scares me a little bit. I mean, how can, how can they even consider giving him control of the team in the future? We've talked about this on every podcast. So, I mean, it's just going to be more of the same, but at least we now have something to actually fear instead of being paranoid. Right. And uh, this is going to be a little bit different because we used to, we're going to continue to trash Gase as two disgruntled fans, justifiably so. This is a little bit of a different angle because I think both you and me have been very optimistic on Joe Douglas and the potential he has to build a winner. And the slight endorsement of Gase scares the living crap out of me. What I wanted to hear at this point is Douglas saying, listen, we are absolutely terrible. I need to see improvements. Even if you don't want to single out Gaze, mention everybody and saying, listen, nobody's satisfied with these results. We have to do better. We need to improve. The fact that he's saying Gaze is actually part of the solution, the optimist in me is hoping he's just being a good company man instead of uh, fracturing and kind of writing Gaze off in the middle of the season. He's going to let him write it out. To me personally, there's two things I take away from this. Number one, Gaze and Darnold, they will not coexist. On a couple of uh, previous podcasts, I mentioned to you my thoughts on Darnold. I don't believe he got a fair shake. I know exactly who and what he is in Adam Gase's offense. And that's a complete flop. So to me, if you want to back Gase, you're definitely getting him a new quarterback. Or if you want to back Darnold because he is young and he still has potential, you sure as shit are not letting him continue under Adam Gase's tutelage. Number two, I've been very high on Douglas. If he does not get rid of Gase, I'm pretty much writing him off because he's going to put friendship and personal feelings ahead of the greater good, which is the organization. His credibility is on the line. To me, it's very black and white, very cut and dry. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, that's one of the things I had. And I've been very consistent in saying that I am completely okay with this direction, but that Gates cannot be part of it. The thing that scares me about this whole thing is that Douglas took responsibility for you know letting Robbie Anderson go and and not having the greatest team out there. Sam Darnold will will take responsibility and say he needs to play better, but never ever do you hear Adam Gay say I need to be better. It's we need to be better, they need to be better, this guy needs to do better, they need to execute. It's never I am wrong. I did anything. He, he somehow seems to escape his own accountability and the accountability of others. That's just not a leader. Somehow, once again, with that speech, Joe Douglas was a good guy, took the high road, but Adam Gase managed to escape all accountability once again. Absolutely correct. I might be misquoting it, but I believe after the second or third week when the Jets were already basically, all the signs were there that the season is starting to fall apart and fall apart rather quickly. The phrase that 
Gay said that there was something along the lines of if the players executed the plays that I give them, we would have better results. That to me was basically the end of the line. I don't understand how he can still keep control of the locker room when you say something like that. Like, uh, I'm so smart and I'm so good. If you just run it the way I drew it up in practice and execute it the way I see it in my mind, we would be unstoppable. And that's stuff you do behind closed doors. You want to tear your team apart, you do it to them personally, directly, and then publicly, you always have their backs and you support them. You don't go out there and say, hey, I did everything I needed to do. They screwed it up. That is not a leader. And you are not going to get people to buy into your stuff if you're not being a leader. So Sam Darnold, right? To answer your question, I think Sam Darnold is probably going to end up playing through the injury because the Jets have screwed him up so badly and all of this stuff going on is going to force him to feel like he has to play for his job and he needs to be able to do something to justify some kind of contract or um, whether it's here or somewhere else, Sam Darnold will probably play through it. I agree with you and I do want to share a couple of thoughts on Darnold as well, but I do want to bring you back to Douglas for one last quick bit. Throughout our podcast, you were very adamant and you actually calmed me down. You are 100% sure that Gase is as good as gone. It seems like when we were talking before, you were pretty much at 99% he's gone and there is always let's leave that 1% for something crazy happening. Now that you're saying even you're feeling, not that you're panicking, but there is a little bit of worry, where would you put the percentages uh, as far as him uh, Gaze being the head coach next year? I actually don't lower the percentage much, if any at all. Here's the thing, okay? I, I don't operate on emotion. I, I try not to, because if I operate on emotion, I'm going to get angry or whatever. I try and look at this from all sides. And if I am going to have confidence in Joe Douglas and I'm going to give him the, the rope to hang himself, so to speak, or the leeway to do what he needs to do, whichever way you want to look at it, then I have to have the confidence that he's smart enough to know that Adam Gase is a complete failure as a head coach, that a football guy like him, who who apparently knows players, knows football, knows character, you know, he drafts character guys. He wants good players in there, but, you know, he also wants guys with good character who are, who are good locker room guys. If he believes all those things and you and me and everybody else can see that Adam Gaze just doesn't have it. Now, you and me, I don't consider us to be the average fan who's just going to say, God, Adam Gaze sucks. Get him out of here. We, we we give good, solid reasons. And those good, solid reasons are he can't lead people, which we just spoke about, but he doesn't game plan well. He doesn't adjust. He forces players into his system instead of trying to create plays that work for them. All of these things, if I'm going to believe in Douglas, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever that he would not see that and not react. My percentage does not go down by much unless you, know, you really want me to react only to the work. Listen, I watch a lot of mafia movies. As soon as you get the kiss on the cheek, you're out. I actually wanted your educated opinion, not your emotional opinion. So I'm glad you came at it from that angle. I do not think the Jets as an organization could survive if they don't get rid of this guy after this. I just don't. As an emotionally abused and mentally scarred Jets fan, I have fear. I have fear. Uh, it's not a 50-50 coin flip to me, but I would put it as a 20% chance that Gase returns because part of me is almost questioning, does Douglas really believe that all of these failures are related to a bare-bones roster that doesn't have uh, skill position players? And he does he really believe that he's not putting Gase, his friend, his head coach, in the best position to succeed and he almost, quote-unquote, owes him an opportunity to go out there with, with what they deem as ta a more talented team. I can't buy that because, again, you and me, 
I, I do not consider just the guy who watches the games and, and is pissed off that they lose. And while we're not NFL personnel guys, I think we're knowledgeable enough to know, and we've talked about it, I think we're knowledgeable enough to know, which means Douglas has to be knowledgeable enough to know you can be 0-8 and not get the job done and have a bare bones roster and still look like you can compete. I could probably fill an entire half hour on a podcast just with the things that Adam Gase is doing wrong. And I could completely avoid losing because that's the only thing that he could have in common with a good coach who can come in here with the same roster. They could both be 0-8, but one might have the players playing hard, competing. Maybe they lose a game by a field goal. Maybe they go into overtime. There's nothing Adam Gase is doing that shows me that the only problem is that Douglas did not give him a, a solid roster. That's just 100% right. I'm not looking at it emotionally from the fa- uh, from the side of wins and losses. I'm looking at it from the fact that, as we talked about, the halftime adjustments are non-existent. The team's desire is non-existent. The creativity is non-existent. So this is just a lot deeper than wins and losses to me. 100%. I don't see any scenario where Douglas actually believes all of that and still can be a competent football guy. Absolutely right. Now I want to jump right into our starting quarterback Sam Darnold number one do I think he's our future no sadly at this point I think Gaze completely has demoralized him has destroyed him has killed him his confidence his self-esteem his belief if he's going to be a successful NFL quarterback I don't believe it's going to happen in the New York Jets because even if he hire a new coach who can rebuild him it's going to be just that I don't think it's going to be an overnight fix it's going to be a rebuild and if we're going to go down that road I'd rather we do so with a young rookie quarterback so if we have to lift or another learning curve whether it's a year or two years I don't want it to be with Darnold just to finish my thought on that before you share your thoughts I feel really bad for Sam we've talked about this numerous times he didn't get a fair shake But here's the thing that I really wanted to hear from you. If you're part of his inner circle, whether you're his agent, you're his family, do you advise him to play and try to put something good on tape? Or do you advise him to sit down and sit out the rest of the season and heal up? Because for me, it's again, it's a no-brainer. If I'm part of his inner circle, I'm telling him unequivocally to sit out because there is nothing he can accomplish. This team is not going to win. We've seen in eight games, I don't think he's going to have a drastic turnaround in the last eight games to put something amazing on film. His age is greatly in his favor. I think Sam Darnold will have suitors. Obviously, it's not going to be the fuck you starter money. I don't think it's going to be a starting job, but somebody will see him almost like um, I equate it to Teddy Bridgewater going to New Orleans. Obviously, different circumstances. Bridgewater was coming off a horrific injury and all of that stuff. But I see a team with a veteran, maybe even somebody like the Tampa Bay Bucks, a team with a proven veteran quarterback who has one or two years left. They're going to take a shot at Darnold and see if they can take that one year, two years where he's clearly the backup or he jumps in because of an injury. But that allows that team, whoever that may be, to slowly rebuild him from an emotional and mental standpoint, physical standpoint. And in two years, the guy is still 25 years old. His future is still there. He is a question mark. We don't know. We can't say that definitively with a good coach, he'll be a superstar. I don't want to write him off because, again, to sound like a broken record, I don't know what he is. I don't think he ever got a fair shake in New York. And if I'm his inner circle, I'm telling him, sit out. And once your body starts breaking down, it might be a long road back if there is a road back. Yeah, you know, that's a really good question is doing it from the inner circle perspective rather than Donald's or the Jets. I, I I think I agree with you. If I'm his friend, if I'm his father, if I'm whatever, I sit him down and say, listen, um, it's, there's nothing, there's no 
improvement that can come out of this. You may improve your yourself, but the team has clearly not surrounded you with what you need to improve between the injury and the fact that you're probably going to be traded. I mean, son, son, you're probably going to be traded. Let's look at the writing on the wall. That that would be my conversation. I think you should probably, if you're hurt, you know, if you're not hurt, you get out there. But if you're hurt, there is no reason to force yourself back into the lineup only to bring down your stock more. And at this point, you know, I don't care what the Jets get for you, son. I want you to make as much money as you can. And if you're hurt and play poorly, then you are not going to get that money. You're going to, you're going to end up uh, as as a third string quarterback somewhere on a prove it deal, and what you want is while people still think you have something, you need to get out there and, and sign a some kind of you know two or three year contract for some money and maybe compete for a starting job. I think he's probably going to get back in there and try and play, and and I'm going to predict he's going to get hurt again, and and the decision will be taken out of his hands, and and then Gase will be looked at like you know like the latest Jet coach that that threw a guy back in there and and uh, got him injured again. Let me let me put you on the spot. Is Donald a starting quarterback in the NFL? Um I'll jump in to give you a minute to think it over while I answer my own question. I believe Donald signed somewhere as a backup, and I believe by the second half of the season, we see him as a starting quarterback, whether due to ineffectiveness of the starter or an injury. Just a wacky off-the-wall prediction. Yeah, I think he will not be on the New York Jets, so I agree with that. I think he goes to one of those elite teams that have a quarterback at the end of their career. Somebody, the Saints, the the Steelers, the... um, Maybe, I mean, you mentioned the Bucks. maybe the Bucks. Uh, you know, a team like that, maybe even Green Bay. I mean, why not Green Bay? Something like that. He goes to a team with an older elite quarterback and, and signs a, a deal to be a backup and hopefully be the guy of the future. Because the only other alternative, he's not going somewhere as, as a starter. He is either going somewhere as the quarterback of the future or he's going somewhere as a um, you know, as a as a as a backup that just makes the team just to be there. Uh, I would have to agree with you. If we see him, it's gonna have to probably happen due to injury because I don't believe a team will sign him. And you brought up excellent examples, whether it's somebody like the Saints, the Bucks, the Steelers. I don't think those teams are signing him with the hope of him unseating somebody like Ben Roethlisberger. I think they're signing him that he's still young enough. It's almost like getting a rookie quarterback, but who actually has live NFL game experience and just kind of getting his mind right. Maybe there's some mechanical flaws, but it's going to be about getting him right because he's still young enough and there's still upside there. So somebody will definitely, I believe, take a chance on him. Right. I agree. I think somebody will take a, I think, I think in that situation where he goes to an elite team with a, with a, with a great quarterback, uh, they sign him knowing he's going to sit for at least a year, maybe two, and then they take him on as a, as a cheap, you know, very low risk project where they can potentially turn him into a, a very good quarterback who can take over for the guy eventually, or they throw him to the side in a year if he doesn't develop. If he if he really has been ruined by the Jets, which is always possible because none of these guys leave the Jets and go do anything anywhere else, then they'll figure that out fairly quickly. But I think he catches on somewhere with, where somebody thinks they can turn him into something. And, and if he lands in one of those teams that know how to develop quarterbacks, then they just might actually develop him. Did you see anything interesting, anything worth discussing? on Facebook from the bright Jet fans who always uh, believe we are one washed up player away from being a contender. Anything fun that you want to share from this week? There was proof that it wasn't just one idiot who thought Woody would come back and kick ass. Um, you know, he was like, oh, Woody Johnson's going to come back and, and clean house or kick ass. I forgot what it was, but it, it's, it was bad enough. Oh, the, the other thing was, um, uh, you know, the Jets haven't had a good quarterback since Mark Sanchez, which 
you know, leads me to wonder whether they consider none of the guys we've had good, which could be true, or if they actually considered Mark Sanchez a good quarterback. That's the scary proposition to me that somebody actually considered Mark Sanchez a good quarterback. That's that really tells you everything about those fans. Well, here's an interesting question for you. And I know you and me once discussed this off air. Mark, Mark Sanchez was a rookie and, you know, in year one, he he was pretty miserable early on. The Jets backed into the playoffs and then Sanchez played a couple of really good games, got into the championship game, uh, you know, and then, you know, improved dramatically in year two. Do you think if Brett Favre had stayed with the Jets, if they didn't force him and Mangini out the door, or if... Um, they had a veteran quarterback after Favre with that team, with that line, that running game, that defense. Do you think the Jets would have would have either gotten to or won one of those Super Bowls in the years where they went to the championship games? Uh, with Brett Favre, no, uh, I don't think Brett. I think I don't think it's reasonable to believe that it was sustainable to have a happy and productive Brett Favre in a in an offense that was basically a running offense based on ball control, time possession, and field position. Um, I don't believe Far was a fit, and uh, the guy was a gunslinger. He wanted to go out there, uh, make the tough throw, and that ultimately also led to some mistakes. He does have a Super Bowl win as a Packer, but uh, at the tail end of his career, I don't think he was that guy who could single-handedly win you games when uh, the run wasn't working. The interesting point that you brought up, other veteran quarterbacks, Yes, I think a right veteran quarterback who was a fit into that offense, who could have at least potentially made one Super Bowl that year. Yes, I do believe so. Um, no way of proving do you, it. Do you not think that, that Favre was an improvement over Sanchez, though? I think you, after a night of drinking and blind in one eyeball, would be an improvement over Mark Sanchez. But that's just okay, my opinion. So, uh, might okay. might sound a little bitter. But, no, uh, but let's get it this way. Sanchez got them to a lead at, in the first championship game against the Colts. Okay. Got him to a lead. They were up 17-6 sometime in the second quarter. It wasn't even halftime because the Jets let Peyton Manning throw that touchdown right at the end of the half that got him back in the game. But with a better quarterback, a more experienced guy, I think, and then certainly in 2010, you know, the, the Jets came out so flat against the Steelers. In 2010, the Jets were 11 and five, and I think you know a, a more established or a better quarterback might have gotten him, you know, maybe a division title. You know, I mean, I don't think New England, I don't remember what New England was that year, but I mean, the Jets, you know, things would have been completely different. I, I think, especially that Pittsburgh game was so winnable, but the Colts game where they had the lead, the Jets, the Jets, I think, really would have put up a good fight, and and with a better quarterback, could have could have won that game. I just and, and far of being an improvement over Sanchez, yes. My my drunken one eyed look is an improvement over Sanders, but Favre was a, a Hall of Famer, and until he got hurt in in 2008, he had the Jets cooking. Man, they were eight and three. They went in and smoked the Titans, who were undefeated, and the Jets looked good. They didn't they didn't just look they didn't just look like they were hot. The Jets looked good. They looked like a, a legitimate contending NFL team for one of the only times that I've been following them. I mean, that was that was 2008. They hadn't looked like that since 1998 when they were Parcells and Testaverde that year. You know, because I never really believed in them in, in, in 2010 or, to, or 2009. There was always that penchant for blowing games and and they never had that, that we're, we're a solid contender you can rely on every second look. They had that look at eight and three. Favre took a few games to kind of blend in, but once he did, they looked great. Bring Favre back next year, another year to gel together. Mangini sticks around and it's not, you know, Rex and the clown show that the Jets really might have had a 
legitimate shot there. And it could be, you know, hopeful revision. Maybe, maybe a proven veteran quarterback who knows how to play within the offense can certainly bring a lot of positives. So it's something we'll never know. I personally don't believe Favre was that guy, but you you threw me a curveball saying a another proven veteran quarterback. That's definitely a strong possibility. Me personally, Mark Sanchez's second year. That was the year that I had a lot of optimism because the defense was set, the running game was solid. Sanchez got wonderful, wonderful experience that you can't buy anywhere else with a deep playoff run as a rookie. I thought it was nothing but rainbow and sunshine ahead. And that season, again, they just they didn't live up to expectations. They did get into the playoffs, made a run. All we were missing, I believe, was a quarterback who, who could make the throw, who could control the game when it needed to be controlled. And Sanchez did not have that. All right. So I remember a Facebook post now. It's one of those Jet fan envy posts that, you know, oh my God, some guy is going to be free. We should go get him. And, and it's not so much that the guy himself is bad. I mean, He's a good he's a good player. He might be a good fit on the Jets at the beginning of a season when they, you know, when they always need a pass rusher. But this guy said and it was contradictory. He said, uh, now that the Jets are out of it, we know they're going nowhere. You know, Vic Beasley is about to be released. Should we go sign him for the rest of the year? You know, you know, can it can only help us. So my question is, if you're already out of it, you're 0 and 8 and you're tanking, why would you spend cap money on the guy? Why would you bother bringing him in here? Uh, when you know he's not going to stick around, and what exactly is it that you're thinking he can help you with, and and you're you're going to approve by signing Vic Beasley to a deal? These Jet fans, they leave me with two emotions. Number one is just laughing at their stupidity. Number two is just blinding rage. That how do you call yourself a fan and you speak nonsense like that? What is the point when? The Jets have one objective this season, to land the number one pick in a draft. I do not care about bringing in a veteran for the rest of the season. If you believe that you really might have a bargain to sign somebody for two to three years who might help the team next year, the year after that, okay, makes sense. I can possibly see that argument. Right now, this season, to sign a veteran who is going to be in it strictly for himself, you know he's not coming in there to help the Jets. He's coming in to try to put something good on tape to earn himself a contract, uh, not necessarily with the Jets. We're, we're assuming they're going to go younger. So you're basically bringing in a guy whose main objective is to put something on tape to earn himself a contract. And you're going to do that and sacrifice reps for young guys. For what? For what? Is he going to really win you games? No. And if he does, if for some reason he's that game changer and he helps us to win two games, he's just fucking up our objective of... Uh, claiming the number one pick. So there's absolutely no logic, sense, rhyme, or reason in signing somebody like that. Well, let's flip it around. And if you're Vic Beasley, do you, why would you even entertain a phone call from the Jets? Why would you? What, what does it do for I know there's money, but somebody's got some other team that is better than 0-8 has, has to be in the market for a pass rusher. People are always in the market for pass rushers. So what makes anybody think Vic Beasley would even come here? So uh, one other point I had wanted to make, I, I forgot to make it when we were talking about Darnold because, you know, we were talking so much about what he would do the rest of the year. But I feel like, you know, and Mark Sanchez reminded me of it. I feel like the Jets are back where they were in 2012. They, they have, they've basically done it again. The Jets have taken a, taken a young, promising quarterback and driven him so far into the ground that the team is terrible. They're falling apart. They, you know, everybody's blaming the lack of talent, saying they didn't give him a chance. And the guy's hurt, and now is in a position where his contract's coming up, and they have to figure out whether whether to pay him or not. And he's got to choose between his health and his, um, you know, and his wallet. So the Jets have managed once again to find themselves in this 
unique position that only, well, I can't say only they, we don't follow other teams closely enough, but it just seems like they, they are the only ones living the same groundhog day with quarterbacks. Nobody else seems to have this issue where they never find a quarterback. And when they do, they, you know, they, they drive him into the ground before he can even turn into anything. I think you're spot on. And it's one of the, it's, it's a sore subject for me because, uh, as much as I want to stay calm talking about it, it just makes my blood boil, especially when I see so many teams who have managed to find a franchise quarterback. Might not be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. Like, uh, just to give you an example, I look at somebody like uh, Goff on the Rams. Got him to the Super Bowl, looked terrible, has his ups and downs, but at least he looks with the right coach in the right offense. He does look like a legit NFL quarterback who can win games. I see somebody like Arizona. They draft Josh Rosen. Doesn't work out. They were kind of people were laughing at them. Nobody's laughing at them now. Kyler Murray's uh, looking better every day. You look at the Ravens. They lose Flacco. They find uh, Jackson, Lamar, Lamar Jackson. Everybody seems to be able to find a quarterback except the goddamn Jets. It is the same thing over and over. We sign a veteran. Uh, the first veteran that really jumps out at me. We made the big signing, Neil O'Donnell. What a great signing that turned out to be. We went young. We went old. We went every direction possible. There is only one common denominator. We have not and still do not have a franchise quarterback, and that's pissing me the fuck off. All right. <laughs> that's just an, uh, that's just as honest as I can be. I told right. you beforehand this topic's main the quarterback topic absolutely makes my blood boil. How do we consistently year after year fail to establish a quarterback that's going to be our franchise guy for a few years? That just I just I can't accept it. I can't understand it. Terrible scouting, uh, even worse coaching and development. That's the biggest problem we have as a franchise is our owners have never put a football guy in charge of everything hopefully douglas is the first one but they've never put a football guy in charge who, who hires the proper scouts the jets have not in my lifetime have not been able to draft and develop players properly and unless you draft good players and develop them properly you go nowhere as a franchise that's why cleveland was bad for all those years that's why these dreg franchises remain dreg franchises they just they're just terrible until you get a solid scouting department that picks the right players and can actually develop them with a with a proper coaching staff you, you you're basically treading water and that's what the jets are they have never been able to develop the players they draft they make the wrong draft picks all the time you know, it's a they're a disaster of a franchise. Um, you know, once again, we're hoping that the guy who's here now can can change that and turn it around. But you know, you know we'll find out. We'll find out sooner. All right, man. Any final thoughts before we go? No. As much as I'm as much as I'm looking forward to a day when we disagree on a few topics regarding the Jets, I do have a blast talking to somebody who is very like-minded and sees the game and the franchise the same way. So another fun podcast, and I look forward to the next one. You got it. I'll see you over the weekend, man. Have a good one. Enjoy. Take care, brother.